Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. How are you doing today? That good, huh? That good. Uh, raise your hand real quick. Take your other hand and go like this. Feel anything? Okay, all right. Y'all, y'all okay? Everybody doing good? I, I'm glad you are here today. I'm excited to uh, get into God's Word. I'm going to tell you today how to not be a jerk. Isn't that helpful? I mean, out of the kindness of my heart, because I've spent so much time getting it wrong, I've learned all the ways to not be successful that, because I've been a jerk a few times. I know some of y'all are shocked, and you can't believe that, but I want to tell you today how to not be a jerk. I actually um, kind of wrestled with how to title this message, uh, because we're still in Lost in Translation. We're talking about Bible words that we may not know, or ones that we think we know, and, and we maybe just need a deeper understanding of it. And so I had a couple of different titles, and one of them was this, How to Not Be a Judgy Jerk. That was one of them, and and most of us can sort of relate to that, know where that's going. Um, And then the other one was How to Not Be a Sensitive Jerk. And so I just said, hey, I'm going to sum it up. I'm going to summarize, let explain a little bit how to not be a jerk. Um, What we're talking about today are the words judge, judgment, uh, judgmental that you find in Scripture, in the different little variations of there. We're, we're sort of summing up based on uh, what Jesus said and what he did and how he taught us and some other Scripture. But I want to tell you about a couple of times. One time that I made a bad judgment, and then another time a, a ju- bad judgment was made against me. Um, years ago, and I've told this story before, some of you have heard it, but uh, we went to this uh, New Year's Eve retreat. It was at this camp in Virginia, and our big tradition there was to play a football game on Saturday. This was tackle football. This was back in the wild, wild west days of youth ministry when we didn't care about kids getting hurt and all that kind of, I'm, I'm just kidding, we cared, but it, nobody was like really worried about it all the time. Now we walk around in bubbles and all that kind of stuff. But um, I would probably be fired as a youth minister because we did all kinds of crazy, reckless, ruthless stuff. Like, we love Jesus and we told people about Jesus all the time, but we were just always doing nutso stuff. And y'all are like stunned by this. I forgot. This is 2022, right? Um, but the statute of limitations, I'm sure, is done on, you know, kids flying through the air in a catapult and all that kind of stuff. Hopefully I won't be challenged for that. But we had this big football game. It was the tackle football game. It was like, you know, high school, college-age guys, and then some of us adult sponsors. Uh, adult. I use that very loosely. And uh, we were out there this one year, and I was always, I'm, I'm not the biggest guy in the world. I'm six foot, and about that time, I was, I don't know, about uh, 185 pounds. I was working out pretty good. And uh, I was a pretty good football player. You know, I I was good at playing just backyard tackle football. You know, I had good hands, could catch, and I was pretty good at tackling people. And we were out there, and so I felt pretty confident. And there was this one kid out there who was like a junior, senior in high school, and he was was stocky. He was kind of shorter, but he was like, you know, pretty built, pretty muscular. But I tackled big guys before. I tackled much bigger guys than him. And so I felt completely confident that I could handle this guy. And my brother-in-law, he's uh, maybe about an inch taller than me. He's, you know, roughly the same type of build. He was in pretty good shape at that time. And he was also very good at football, very good tackler. And so I thought, hey, we're on the same team. We got this guy if they give him the ball. And, of course, they give him the ball because he's, like, you know, about this tall and just, like, 
like this, just yoked. And um, so they get the ball, and I get up. I'm like back in the back. I don't know if you know football, but I'm like back in like the free safety position, and I'm running up. So I got a good head of steam, and he's got the ball, and I get low, and I'm going to tackle this dude. And the last thing I remember was laying on the ground and feeling as he stepped on top of me and ran over me. And I look back, and he goes, and he gets my brother-in-law. Same thing. Dum, 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 dum. Steps on his chest, too, and keeps on going. We were humbled. We judged poorly. We thought we could handle this dude. Now, to my credit and in my defense, this guy went on to be one of the very early MMA fighters. Back before uh, it was a really big deal, he went overseas and fought mixed martial arts, cage fighting type stuff. He, you know, he was a, the, the man on the football field, uh, you know, in his high school. So it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't Tickle Me Elmo. If, I don't, anybody remember Tickle Me Elmo? Um, so, you know, at least it wasn't, you know, you know a little, little dude, you know, like myself or smaller. But anyway, I judged poorly and so did my brother-in-law. But I want to tell you about a time that I was judged against. And it, it, it really hurt. And um, some of y'all are really wondering if I'm being serious about this, but I'm serious. Uh, I had gone to East Carolina University, and I kind of lived a crazy life for a while, but then I got serious about Jesus through the campus ministry there. I've talked about that. I even mentioned a little bit briefly last week, introducing uh, my friend Stuart. And I got serious about Jesus and decided to go to what was Roanoke Bible College, now Mid-Atlantic Christian University. And, you know, I'm not going to say I struggled, you know, I, I struggled and, you know, the old man kept trying to come back and, you know, the new man had a hard time and it was a battle and a fight and it still is in a lot of ways. But at that time in my life, there was real issues that I was really, 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 really struggling with. But over that first year at, uh, at Roanoke Bible College, Mid-Atlantic Christian University, I, I started getting stronger in my faith and started giving more of myself over to Jesus. I tried to every day. I'd make mistakes and I'd get back up. You know, what, what we talk about here at Movement, keep moving forward. When you, when you stumble and fall, get back up and move closer to Jesus. Well, in the meantime, I had the opportunity to travel for our school, and I was going back to our camp that I used to work with, with the campus ministry there in Washington, North Carolina. And there was a new campus minister at the ministry, and he had talked to a guy who um, used to be a friend of mine. Um, and this guy, I don't know what it was. I don't know if he was just jealous of the fact that I had sort of changed. He was always kind of the, I, I'm not really trying to dog him. I'm just trying to give you the perspective of, of what it was. He was kind of like the name taker. You know what I mean? He was like watching people. And I, I love, he was a good friend, but that was sort of his thing. You know, he was like taking names and well, he's not doing right, this right or she's not doing this right. And so he started filling in this old campus minister who I had no relationship with about how I was kind of a fake and a fraud. And there was a time in my life that I was, but I hadn't been around any of these people for a year. And I get there and this guy already knows me, he thinks, this campus minister. And he was just judging me. And he wouldn't give me the time of day. And I was a different guy. You know, by the grace of God, I was a different guy. And it took a couple of years of, you know, when I would be around this guy from time to time for him to see that, oh, man, you know, he is the real deal. Yeah, he's flawed. Yeah, he makes a lot of mistakes, just like all the rest of us. But he loves Jesus. And I'm telling you, I still, to this day, 20-some years later, still feel that. And some of you are, like, nodding your head because you've been there, done that, right? People judged you because of maybe the way you looked or your past mistakes or something you said or did at your worst moment. And man, that's a good rule of thumb is to never judge people on their worst moment, right? 
Because we all have a worse moment, and sometimes it can be very public, and it hurts. But judging people can be a painful and a pain-causing thing. And so I want to look today at how not to judge, how to judge well, and how to handle judgment. And some of you might already be pushing back a little bit in your mind when I said how to judge well. You'd be like, oh, that, that, there's not really a way. But I think we're going to look and see what Jesus said, and I think you'll see what we're talking about here. But first, before I go too farther, I want to say this, because in our day and time, I think we need to say this. There will be a final judgment. And that's something we've got to admit and be honest about. There will be a final judgment where all of us will have to give an account for what we did with Jesus. And different cultures and religions have different versions of that. And, you know, sometimes it's weighing your good deeds versus your bad deeds. And that's not what this will really truly be about. There, there may be some of that that comes into play. But ultimately, the question we're all going to have to answer is, what did we do with Jesus? Did we accept Jesus or reject Jesus? There will be a final judgment. There's just a couple of scriptures that they're not going to be on the screen. I'm just going to read through them. But if you want to take note of what they are and go back and double check me, that's great. It's always a good thing. Don't take anybody's word for the scripture solely. You want to study and check and make sure. But 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 says this. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will receive, each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. That's what the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, said. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, I want to point out something really quickly, is that many of us have misunderstood Jesus, even within the church. And we think Jesus is just this happy-go-lucky, sort of a hippie dude that just, you know, oh, he loves everybody and he's cool with everything, but he is going to be the one judging. He's going to be the one judging. He, but the good news is this. He's going to be judging in the perfect right way. He's not like you and I. He doesn't just catch a glimpse or, or you know, catch a small glimpse of somebody's life and then make a big judgment. He knows all. He sees all. And even better, he died to save us from the sins that he's going to judge. And, and that's beautiful. But there's also another passage I want to read because I don't want you to say I took one passage and said, oh, there, there's the idea. Romans chapter 2 verse 5 says this in verse 6. But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself, for a day of anger is coming. That doesn't sound like hippie Jesus. <laughs> that doesn't sound like it. He goes on, he says, For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. It is righteous judgment. He is right. He knows it all. He's perfect. Verse 6, he will judge everyone according to what they have done. So, there will be a judgment, and we need to be prepared for that. And, and I don't say that, to, I mean, a little bit to scare us, because we need to have a healthy fear of what it means to stand before Almighty God without the blood of Jesus on us. We need to know that. But I want to spend the most of our time talking about the judgment that happens this side of the second coming. Okay, y'all with me on that? A lot of people's biblical knowledge uh, on this topic comes from one of the most misquoted passages of the Bible. Misquoted in the sense that it is ripped from the context like somebody stealing a flat screen TV, you know? I mean, they just rip it and run. And, and people do that. And they love to say, and, and you can quote, it doesn't matter what translation because everybody's pretty much got the same translation on this particular passage. And they will say, 
And they usually they go King James. Wham! They go way back, 1611. Bam! Whether they like King James or not, they're like, oh, King James sounds like he knows what's going on. So we're going to go with King Jimmy, and we're going to be like, thou shalt not judge. Some of y'all don't know how to take that. Like, he said King Jimmy. And everybody knows Jesus spoke King Jimmy English. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Anyway. Sorry. Don't judge. Um, <laughs> but we will say, thou shalt not judge or you shall not judge. Don't judge. And we love, people love to throw that verse out. And that poor verse was ripped from its family's arms and kidnapped. And they just take that one part of that passage and they land on it and they don't, might not know another verse of Scripture, but thou shalt not judge. And while it is biblical and scriptural, I think we've got to look at the context. We've got to look and we need to understand this. Now, let me, let me say this. It is often ripped out of context. And um, a lot of times it's used as a weapon against anybody who stands on truth. But it's also used against judgmental jerks. <laughs> Rightfully so, because sometimes we can all, any of us, inside the church, outside the church, can be judgmental jerks. And so sometimes it's used because people were wrong, and they were being harsh, and they were being hateful, and they were being cruel. But we want to look a little bit deeper. Let's face it, sometimes we can be judgmental jerks. But Matthew 7, 1, where this passage comes from, where this verse that's often mistreated comes from, Matthew 7, verse 1 says this, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Full stop. A lot of people, if they add that last part, they definitely going to stop there and not go any further. Most stop after that first phrase, but the Greek word there that is translated uh, judge or judged is the Greek word krino, K-R-I-N-O. And it carries often the idea of condemnation, or to use another sort of King James word, damnation. And that sounds scary, and that's final, and that's, you know, you're going to H-E-double hockey sticks, right? But it can also mean to analyze. It can also mean to analyze and perceive and look deeper below the surface. And verse 2 goes on, it says, for you will be treated. This is what Jesus says. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. So what Jesus is saying is, if you want to go around condemning people to hell, you need to be careful because it can happen to you too. If you want to decide that I'm going to say, you're, getting, you're going to hell and you're going to heaven and you're going to hell and you're going to heaven and you're, you know, and you're assigning people's destination, you might want to be careful because that same standard could be used against you. That is a scary thought, isn't it? Because most of us, when we are, you know, we'll use that phrase, you know, go to hell, uh, usually in a different connotation, but sometimes we really mean it and we hope people do. But when we say that, we might be condemning ourselves in this process. And most of us, if you've ever felt judged, you would want to just stop there. But Jesus continues the thought. You know, if you were like me, you know, I was hurt 
when I found out that this guy had taken my past and used it against me. And the, the sad fact is that guy that used to be the name taker, you know, who, saying who was living like Jesus and who wasn't, he began to live a life very far from God. And I hope and pray that he's turned his life around. I've sort of lost touch with him. But it sounds like that scripture was heading in the right direction, right? When you're judging, you can kind of end up doing the same thing and be judged yourself. But what we do is we would love to stop and say, don't judge, don't judge. But Jesus continues on. Y'all with me? Verse 3. He goes on and he says, And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye? You know, we don't get, a lot of people say the Bible is boring. Um, they'll say that it's not funny. We just don't get the humor. But this was very much intended for Jesus to be funny. You know, he was going, you know, and our, our sense of humors are different. I, I know our time and our culture is different. But what he's saying is, he's like, I mean, it's a, you know, a play on words and it's a visual. I, I think Jesus may have done that. He may have picked up a big stick or a staff right there and held it up to his eye. And he's saying, you're worried about a little bit of sawdust in your friend's eye while you have got a plank, a log in your eye. How ridiculous is that? But how many times have you beat somebody over the head with the log coming out your eye while you're trying to fix their stuff? <laughs> Let me help you. Let me help you. <laughs> we do it all the time. It's so easy to do. He goes on and he says, verse 4. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? He uses a word that's not very nice. Hypocrite. Hypocrite. You Greek play actor who wears a mask to play one role and then puts on another mask to play another role. You hypocrite first. All right, hold up. We still, okay, we're still walking with Jesus, and it's like, yeah, Jesus, tell them. Tell them about Get that log out before they get the speck out of my eye. Tell them, tell them, Jesus. And then he goes on. All right, here we go. He says, what? What does he say? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. He's not saying ignore a sin in your friend's life. He's saying make sure you try to get the big stuff out of your life before you worry a lot about little things in other people's lives. But what he's saying is make sure you look out for one another. And that's the part we don't like because when we get judged, it hurts. It's, it's, it really hurts. We don't really get too concerned about it when we're doing the judging, do we? But... That's another conversation. But it hurts, and we don't want to, and we just wanted him to say, don't judge. He does say you need to analyze and look at people, and you need to help them. And so there's a few powerful principles. I want us to learn how to judge wisely. The first one is this, and this is a biggie. We aren't the final judge Jesus is. All right, I'll say it again. We aren't the judge Jesus is. We don't determine people's final destination, like that bad string of horror movies. <laughs> okay, guess y'all don't watch many movies. All righty. All right. All right, anyway, we don't determine people's final destination. 
and we shouldn't presume to know it. We shouldn't presume to know it. Now, I will tell you that if you read God's Word, you will be able to see and look at people. And the Bible does say, you know, look at people by their fruits. You will know them by their fruits, what they produce out of their lives. And I will tell you, it's a real temptation because you can kind of look and tell, okay, well, this person's not on the right path. This person's not living in a way that honors God. And, you know, I I might be concerned about them or I might look down on them. You know, I mean, I don't know where you fall on that spectrum. I'm not saying that it's not going to be a temptation, but ultimately, only God knows their hearts. And don't you praise God for the fact that He only knows your heart too? And we can't decide or even presume to truly know. We can have an idea, but we can't presume to know someone's final destination for all eternity because we don't know who they really are on the inside and what they've done with Jesus. And so some people will push back on Jesus as judge. But look at these passages again. I know we've already addressed it a little bit, but I want to look a little deeper. John chapter 5, verse 22, straight from the Gospels. It says, In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, He has given his son, the Son absolute authority to judge. The Son is Jesus. So that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent him. John chapter 9 verse 39 says, Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment. That doesn't sound like what a lot of times we think about Jesus. But he says, I have entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. He came to point out what sin was, and even better, he came to to pay the price for sin. That's amazing. And as I said a moment ago, it might seem kind of obvious where people are headed sometimes. We shouldn't be happy about it. If I can get us to think about anything, it's that. Even if it seems like that people are headed, headed far away from God. We shouldn't be happy about it. Can I be really honest for a second? If you've been here more than 30 minutes, you probably know that's not usually a big issue. I'm going to be pretty blunt and honest a lot of times. (laughs) A lot of people are turned off and don't like Jesus because of how Christians act. And I'm not saying we don't, I'm not saying we need to be quiet when we're talking about things that go against God's word. I'm not saying we need to be quiet and we need to be ashamed and, you know, we just need to let people do anything and not speak up. But let's not act like we're happy that people are enemies of Jesus. That is what really turns people off, is that they think that the church is happy that people are going to burn for all eternity. And that turns people away from Jesus. And you and I don't need to have any part in that. What Paul says is so key to this. Philippians chapter 3, verse 18. He says, For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. It should break our hearts that people don't know Jesus. 
That's why I believe a lot of times that we don't go and tell people about Jesus is because we somehow think we've earned the salvation that we have through Jesus. And therefore, the people who just reject Jesus and say ugly things about him on social media or out in public, we're like, well, good, they're going to get what they deserve. And it's personal to us because they've offended something we care about or they maybe even offended us personally. And so we say and we think horrible things about them and that makes them never ever want to hear the truth of God's word. And the second principle we learn is that while we aren't to eternally condemn, we do need to point out sin in love. That doesn't get as many amens, does it? <laughs> But we do need to point out sin in love. Look at what Jesus said in verse 5 there in that, that original passage in Matthew. He said, hypocrite, first get the log out of your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Get the log out of yours so you can see to remove the stuff out of your friend's eye. Jesus is saying, analyze. Don't decide where people are going for all eternity, but look honestly at people's life and recognize sin for what it is. And when you see it, help them get out of trouble. I use this silly illustration quite a bit, and I've used it some recently, so forgive me if it's repetition, but I think we need repetition. You know, imagine the old bridge is out and there's a great chasm, there's a great canyon. You know, our, our culture would say that if you go out and that you warn people that there's danger, that you're being a jerk, that you're being judgmental. But the most loving thing you can do is get out in the middle of the road where people are charging at you 100 miles an hour, getting ready to plunge to their death, and say, Stop! Turn around! The road is out! The bridge is out! And we need to point out danger that lies ahead for people in love, in a loving way. Jude, verse 22 and 23, it's, it's only one chapter there. It says, and you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. He says to snatch people from the flames. Now let me ask you just for a second because I think I've got to make sure we put this in context and understand. We, we talk about quite a bit about what love truly is and what people think love is now. People think love now is just being nice and sensitive and pretty all the time. And it can be that. But love also can be tough at times. And what we need to understand, it says to snatch people out of the flames. Sometimes when we are doing that snatching, it's going to be abrupt. If we realize there's imminent danger in somebody's life, we might need to kind of get in their face. But in a loving position, it might not feel soft and cuddly like a Care Bear. I'm using all these old references. Nobody even remembers. But it might not be soft and cuddly like that. But if we love them, we're going to snatch them out of the flames so that they can be saved. But are you doing it because you love them or are you doing it because you just like being the boss? That's a good question to ask. And so we need to snatch people from the flames. We're told to snatch them. It could be jarring and difficult. But let's do this. Let's not pendulum swing to, to not pointing out sin. Let's not pendulum swing to get away from wrong judgment. 
and condemning people. Let's not swing to the far extreme and not point out sin when people are in danger. Let's look at this next idea. And this is key. Relationship is everything. Relationship is everything. Surface gets you nowhere. Last week, uh, my friend Stuart was kind enough to come and preach, and man, it, it, man, it did my heart good. Uh, it, was, it was a great message, regardless. But for me to be able to sit and listen, it, man, it was just so good for somebody to, to preach and, and I could hear God's word. Man, I loved it. But he talked about fellowship and what it really is, is sharing with one another in every aspect of life. And so the question is, is, is are we really fellowshipping? Are we really sharing? Or are we just surface in our relationships with other people? Surface gets you nowhere. In your relationship with God, it gets you nowhere. In your relationship with the church, it gets you nowhere. In relationship with people who are far from God, it gets you nowhere. When it comes to our relationship with God, it doesn't get you anywhere because if you're surface in your relationship with God, i.e. your faith, it's easy to be fake, isn't it? It's not fun to talk about, but it's easy to be fake, and it's easy to get caught up in playing a role, and you've got logs hanging out of your head, and nobody's going to listen to you. I mean, it's like all these logs hanging out. And all the while, you think you're this, oh, amazing super Christian. Dun, dun, dun. S for super Christian. You've seen that person, right? Have you been that person before? It's like, I, I've got all these logs in my eye, and I don't have a good relationship with God. I know about God. I can even quote Bible verses, and man, I've got a bumper sticker. Whoop, whoop. But I don't really have a relationship with God anymore. I've drifted and I've become a fraud. I've become a fake. I've become a hypocrite. Surface doesn't work in our relationship with God. We've got to allow him down deep and we've got to dig down deep into him and his word. The problem is, is that if you're surface in your relationship with God, you don't look at yourself deeply and honestly. I lost a good amount of weight Thankfully, my wife was a great example, and she lost some weight, and we got, are getting healthy. And I realized, see, I, I'm 45 years old, and I realized, I knew I needed to lose a little bit, but your brain will play tricks on you, won't it? When you put on a little bit of weight, you don't realize it. Thankfully, or not, maybe if it did happen overnight, it might shock your system a little bit, but you don't add 30 pounds overnight, right? And you just add a little bit by little bit. Pretty soon, you know, you're getting a little bit heavier and bigger. But you're walking by the mirror and you're like, oh, I still got it. It just takes you longer to get out of the way of the mirror, <laughs> you know. It's like, whoop, whoop, still there, still, whoop, still there. Caboose is still back there, yep, yep. You don't realize it and you fool yourself into thinking, yeah, I'm still healthy. I, I'm not judging anybody, but I'm just saying we, we all can get there, right? And you look at yourself, and you don't recognize. And then I realized, man, I was getting unhealthy, and I needed to change it. And the same thing happens in our relationship with God. If you're not digging down deep into his word, you don't realize how much you've changed and how far you've drifted from God. It's time to get down deep in relationship with him, but also with the church. Surface doesn't work there either, like Stuart talked about so well. Here's the thing. You and I need a relationship with one another to be heard. If we're going to be heard by our friends as we try to get specks out of their eye and maybe even sometimes a log out of their eye, we need relationship to do it. 
Like he said last week, he said, do you fellowship? Do you share in a way that people know they can count on you? You know, um, or do people say, yeah, yeah, Bobby, I, I know him. Yeah, he's got that weird bump on the back of his head. I sit behind him every week and I've been studying it for six weeks. Uh, yeah, when my life's in a shambles, I'm going to call him because I know that knob really well on the back of his head. I mean, I'm sad to say, but a lot of times that's our relationship with church family, right? And some of y'all are really self-conscious now. <laughs> you don't have a big knob on the back of your head like me. But here's the thing. They don't call somebody who they just stare at the back of their head for an hour a week when life is in a shambles. They call people who have invested in them. And if you earn the right to be heard, people will listen when you have to say difficult things. They'll say, when you say difficult things, they'll listen better when you have to point out a sin in their life that's leading them down a path that's far from God. But can I say this too before we move on? When you do earn the right to be heard, focus on what's important. <laughs> focus on what's important. Don't focus on the surface stuff. And I know that's hard to figure out sometimes, and I'm not saying you're going to understand it all perfectly, and you're going you're to pick on surface things at times when you've got a good relationship with somebody and you're trying to help them. But Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, Paul writes, he says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are the shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. And he was telling this church that, you know, they were worried about holy days and all this sort of stuff. And he says, we're, we're moving forward in Jesus. And most of those things were just symbols and shadows of Jesus that was to come. Let's not get caught up in judging each other on what we're eating and what we're drinking and all that sort of stuff. Let's focus on things that really are pulling people away from Jesus. People getting caught up in sin and immorality. That's the things that we need to focus on. And it might be hard to figure out what the modern equivalent of the holy days and uh, you know, of course, what you eat and drink. Yeah, I mean, that's easy to sort of figure out. But it might be difficult but keep digging into God's word and saying, God, show me what's important. Show me what specs to try to get out and what specs to just ignore and hope that the Holy Spirit will work through people if there's something that needs to be worked through. You see, we do that, though. We get caught up in the low-hanging fruit of easy stuff to point out that we like to point out with people because it makes us feel a little bit better about ourselves. It's easy especially if we don't struggle with what it is that we're pointing out. But we lose credibility, and, and you lose your influence. So use that influence wisely that you build with people when you fellowship and share with them. Think about it this way. You know, if, if you ever go on a big trip with a kid, um, you know, the kid needs to be told, you need to be told when you were a kid, um, all right, don't spend all your money at the dollar store this week because we're going to Disney next week, right? Because a kid will do, oh, I said Disney, you're not supposed to say Disney, right? Because we're, don't judge. Ha, a trap, I set you up, see if you judge me. So I said Disney. Wow, that went over like a lead balloon. All right, but you tell the kid, don't spend all your money at the dollar store because you are going to Disney next week, and a kid will do that. They'll spend every dollar they've got on junk, right? Instead of the cool stuff, you know, the, the ice cream shaped like Mickey's head and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's what life is really all about. 
but they're going to spend all their money at the cheap stuff rather than the, co- the good stuff, the cool stuff later. And we need to use that credibility that we've earned by being in people's lives well. Don't just blow it on the cheap stuff that doesn't really matter. Here's why. Because also with people outside of the church, we've got to have the same attitude. The same is true of those inside the church. We need a relationship to really be heard. Am I right? Colossians 4 verse 5 says this. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Let every moment be an opportunity to show the love and the truth of God's word to people who are far from God. I remember a couple years ago uh, at the state fair, I guess before COVID, uh, we went and there were some of those bullhorn little, what do you call it, little podium people preaching. And there was like, it was kind of like a big group of people and they had like kids out there and they were like just screaming at people through bullhorns as they were walking into the state fair. And I'll be honest, you know, I'm a preacher, but I was embarrassed. I I don't think I ever shy away from an opportunity to talk to somebody if I have an opportunity. But I honestly, even I didn't hear what they were saying. I just heard how they were saying it. And nobody was listening. Nobody was standing there going, man, that is right. I'm going to get my life together. They were all going like this, don't make eye contact, they're freaks, don't make eye contact, they're freaks. That's exactly what everybody was saying. And some of them were probably yelling back at them. It doesn't build anything up. You don't have relationship. Now, okay, don't hear that and say, well, there was people in the Bible who would stand up on street corners and Ezekiel laid on his side and cooked his food on animal dung for, you know, all these weeks and stuff. I'm not saying that there's never a time for that, for, for public preaching. But number one, it's very seldom, I believe, nowadays. And number two, watch your attitude and how you say it. And you will have much more impact if you are trying to build relationships with people who you come in contact with every day. Don't, I'm not saying there's never a time, but more often than not, you will be much more effective if you're interacting with the people that you come in contact with on a personal level. We need to earn the right to be heard, at least to show our kindness and our love and that Jesus has changed us. If we want to speak the truth, we have to live the truth in front of people. If we want the opportunity to speak the truth. And then there's one more sort of big disclaimer when pointing out a tough issue in the church or outside of the church. We are not the Holy Spirit. You want to read that again? We are not the Holy Spirit. And I've been very guilty at times of trying to be the Holy Spirit, thinking I've got to change people, I've got to convince people, and all we're called to do is tell the truth in love and live the truth in love. That's what we're called to do. We cannot change people. The Holy Spirit working through the Word of God as we share it is what will change. It's not our job to convict. It's not our job to convert. It's our job to love in word and deed and example. To simply share the truth in love. And sometimes it might need to be tough love like we talked about, but love nonetheless. That's kind of freeing too though, isn't it? 
Because some of us, some of you have been carrying a burden for years thinking, man, why aren't more people changing? Why can't I change him? Why can't I change her? Why won't they change? It's not your job and you don't have the power to do it anyway. You don't know what good you're doing by living Jesus out in front of those people. And it might take 10 years, it might take 20 years, it might take 30 years before there is ever any change or any fruit that you can see. But who knows what you're doing, just keep doing it faithfully. And trust that the Holy Spirit is doing His job. We just get out and love people and tell the truth in love. So as we wrap up, today I've got a couple of questions I want you to ask if you find yourself in the role of judge there's these two questions I want you to ask and they're basically the same question but it's good for us to rephrase it in our minds the first question is this am I trying to win an argument or win a soul if I'm pointing out something in somebody's life, am I trying to win an argument or am I trying to win a soul? And the second one is almost exactly like it. Am I hoping for repentance or to be right? Mm, that ain't get a nary an amen. <laughs> Y'all know what nary means. I'm from Eastern North Carolina. Am I hoping for someone to repent or am I just hoping to be right so I can feel better about myself? Am I trying to win an argument or win a soul when I'm going to point out what it is I'm pointing out? Remember we said you don't just ignore what's going on in people's lives because you love them, you care about them. But am I doing it to win an argument or win a soul? Am I doing it looking for repentance or am I just looking to be right? But before we go, remember I told you I had a couple of titles. Don't be a judgy jerk. And I also said don't be a sensitive jerk. I've got two questions for you to consider, or two things for you to consider if you're being judged. Because let's be honest, we can be pretty jerky when we sense that we're being judged, whether we are or not. The first question is this, are they right? Are they right? Is what they're saying about me, even, even if, even if they're not going about it the right way, even if they're not going about it the right way, are they right? And the second is this, what does it mean if they are? Because the most important thing that you and I can do is when we're confronted with something that's going on in our life, the first thing is, is it right? And then second is, what do I need to do if they are right? Do I need to give my life back to Jesus? Do I need to turn around and run towards him? Do I need to give my life to him for the first time? Do I need to get rid and make some decisions that are difficult, going to be painful, but they're going to lead me to life instead of death? It's important that we ask these questions. And lastly, there's two principles. I got a lot of twos here right at the end. For either side of the conversation, be open and be humble. Be open if you find yourself in the role of having to be the judge. Be open if you find yourself being judged. Be humble if you find yourself in the role of being the judge. Be humble if you find yourself in the role of being judged. I'm repeating it because I want it to sink in. I need to hear it. You need to hear it. We need to be open and we need to be humble to what God is saying to us. Maybe we're wrong in our judgment and we need to be open and humble. Maybe the person who's judging us is right and we are wrong and we need to be open and humble. Regardless, be open and humble. 
So that's that. How to not be a jerk. <laughs> I wish it was easy. It's not going to be easy. It's going to get harder at times. The enemy will try to divide us with our words and our attitudes and our hearts and our feelings. But I'll leave you with this last little statement that I've used for years and years and years. The truth from a hypocrite is still the truth. If somebody tells you something that hurts, if it's true, be open and humble. If you've got the opportunity to tell somebody something who's in danger, be open and humble as you go to them so that you can be standing there right behind Jesus as he waits as they come home running. Today, how is your relationship with other people? Let's not be jerks. Let's love people like Jesus. If you've got something on your heart and mind today that you need to get out the speck or the log, I'd love to talk with you, pray with you. You can write something on a connect card and we'll reach out to you. But don't leave here not being able to see. You don't have to be blind anymore. Let's stand, let's sing. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.